It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Reverend Dr. Kenneth Daniel, President and CEO of United Church Homes. Ken joined UCH in 2011, and for over the past 30 years, he has worked in a variety of positions in senior healthcare and housing services and as a licensed nursing home administrator. Prior to joining UCH, Ken served as Executive Director of Ingleside at Rock Creek and also has spent the better part of 20 years in senior living, affordable housing, and skilled nursing leadership positions within Phoebe Ministries in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Reverend Daniel holds a master's degree in public administration from Maryland University and earned master's degrees from United Theological Seminary of the Twin Cities and from Moravian Theological Seminary. He currently serves on several community, church, and professional boards and is the immediate past chairman of the board of Leading Age Ohio. Reverend Ken Daniel, welcome into the corner office. Thank you. Good to be with you. Great to have you here today, and I take it you're somewhere in Ohio. I'm I'm on the coast in Connecticut. How how's the weather treating you? You still getting that real hot weather we've had for the last few weeks? No, we've cleared out here. We have uh, relatively uh, low humidity and bright nice. sunshine and nice. comfortable temperatures. So. We'll, we'll the take perfect these part days of summer. as we get them. Exactly. <laughs> the perfect part of summer. Great. Well, we always like to start these uh, podcasts, Ken, with, uh, you know, understanding a little bit about the early life of our guests. So tell us a little bit about that, where you grew up, you know, what mom and dad did, what part of the country, brothers and sisters and such. I grew up in uh, Pennsylvania in hmm. a small community outside of Allentown. Oh, and yeah. uh Lehigh Valley. It was a Mora- Moravian community called Emmaus, like the biblical uh-huh. name, uh, right. and spent um, my formative years there till I was uh, in college. Uh, and during that time, my dad was a watchmaker jeweler for the Hess's oh. department store in Allentown. All oh, right. Yeah. Um, and my mother was a, uh, a nurse, uh, although she stopped working actively professionally when I was born um, right. to stay home and make sure I didn't get in any trouble. Um, <laughs> do you have siblings? I do not have siblings. I'm an only okay. child. Only uh, child. Yeah. I came yeah. along uh, kind of late in life for both of them. My yeah. mom was just about 40. My dad was oh. 57. So I've, I've had an experience of kind of unusual for many. Yeah. 
Yeah, awesome. I my my parents were older as well, although I wasn't an only child. I was seven and ten years younger. So from the age of about ten, I was on my own. And uh, uh, mom uh, worked from the home up until the time you, or I started working from home when the time you were born. Did she go back into a profession as you got older? She did not, but she okay. was very active volunteering in the community. She served yeah. on a, a local uh, uh, public health nursing service board of directors. So she always kept her fingers into it. And she was the neighborhood uh, first aid station for uh, a lot of my <laughs> friends growing up. They always knew to come over to the Daniel house yeah, for band-aids and other bruise. things. That's right. <laughs> I love that. I love that. What were some of the early memories that you've got of mom and dad? You know, anything inspirational, anything you observed or heard or, you know, lessons learned, those things that kind of run in our heads uh, as we go through life? Well, of course, both are very important to me. And in uh, how I've grown up. My parents were both very active in church. Uh, we, we were very involved, uh, even though our church was in Allentown and we lived outside of the city, we would make the half hour trek every week. And uh, both of them, my dad was involved on in the church council. My mom was involved yeah. in teaching adult Sunday school. I got involved in youth fellowship and uh, other things throughout our time. It was a very important part of my my upbringing. Uh, my dad worked as a watchmaker, so he had a bench yeah. at home with all the little parts oh, and pieces cool. that go into clocks and watches, and I was fascinated by by all of that. So I, I don't know if I have a, a more of a sense of detail and how do <laughs> things work, uh, how do thing, take things apart and put them back together again yeah. better. I got sort of trace some of that interest to him and of course my mom being in healthcare, and i learned a lot about uh, uh the importance of healthcare, nursing sure. uh and uh my my wife's mother is a nurse so i can't get away from nurses and ended up going into <laughs> long-term care working with a bunch of wonderful nurses who have also well, been part of my journey uh, yeah i was going to say clearly there's an influence there on both sides right and we'll, we'll get right. into your profession in a minute but uh, i can see where the early parts of that began to develop uh, were you a good student in school yes Yes, I was <laughs> for the for the for the subjects I, that you enjoyed or all everything. <laughs> well, I of course my parents placed a great uh, emphasis on education and doing well in school, and sure. and I did. Um, I graduated with honors from high school and college. Nice. Um, so yeah. uh, again, my my parents uh, both working and both kind of coming out of my dad, especially more. Uh, kind of Pennsylvania Dutch culture, and I would yeah. express interest in his watches, watchmaking, and and he'd say, you know, this is all good, but you're going to go to college, and huh. you know, this, there's more for your life than than fixing watches. So I, I he was uh, very clear about that. And so was he a college was, grad? Or he no, was, he he left in the eighth after the eighth grade, right. uh, being quite a bit older. You know, he he grew up and was a a combat veteran of World War One, wow. so uh, you know, not having high school in his uh, life, I think, was an important thing for him to uh, to recognize. Was yeah. you know, had become ever more important by the time I came along in the 1950s. But sure. uh, after the war, he was trained in his uh, trade uh, by the army uh, after he got out of Walter Reed Hospital, recuperating from combat injuries, and and so. He, he had a wonderful perspective on yeah. perver, uh, pers 
perseverance and and overcoming adversity and and right. uh, and and that passed along to me. And the importance of education. Yeah. Yes. What about other activities in schools? In in, in sports, music, theater, debate. Yes, I was uh, involved in uh, music. Uh, I played the clarinet um, in yeah. high school and uh, was in the band, the orchestra uh, at our high school. Um, did did uh, pit orchestra for shows, um, things like that. Uh, played uh, varsity soccer. Uh, throughout my uh, right. four years in high school it was a new sport yeah. for our school back then and sure. uh, was loved it and uh, wasn't always that good at it but I played and you know uh, was probably uh, one of the first couple of guys came off the bench uh, but uh, I did get a letter and that was fun <laughs> I was able to uh, what I coach my my uh, sons uh, as they took up soccer in, in uh, their school age years. So right. that was a cool fun cool. thing to come back to. Good fun. Now we, you went on to college and you actually have quite an extensive educational background. So we should talk a little bit about that. Uh, but uh, was it Cutstown university of, of Pennsylvania? Yep. Is that was your first, uh, Kut, right? Kutztown. Kutztown. Uh, you have to branch, you have to practice your Pennsylvania. Practice. I know, I know. Yeah. That, that's yeah. Uh, that Kutztown state college, uh, was, uh, Oh, pretty, pretty near home, but far enough. I uh, went off thinking uh, that uh, I wasn't sure of my career direction at the time. I, I'd always loved English, so I majored in English, thought I might go into teaching, but I stayed in liberal arts because I loved yeah. English and taking Shakespeare and all that good stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, faced the dilemma after uh, toward graduation, like, well, what are you going to do with an English degree? And, uh, <laughs> um, but I had you know, church was a very important part of my growing yeah. up, and I felt a call to to ministry, and so uh, it, it, it became clear to me that that's really the next step, and I went off to uh, United Theological Seminary of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Um, and, now, that was uh, right right after graduation then? You, you yes, did right after college. After yeah, yeah, yep. cool. And then went on and, and got your master's, correct? In Divinity. So I graduated from... Uh, United Seminary in uh, uh, 2001 and began serving, I was called to serve a congregation, uh, St. Andrew's United Church of Christ in Reading, Pennsylvania. So I came back to a close to home, um, served this uh, wonderful little congregation in, in uh, inner city Reading, which was struggling. Uh, I, I arrived on the doorstep, 26 years old, and uh, wow. I was following. So that was your first, pastor. that was your first job. Pretty much your yeah, first I was stop. following yeah. a pastor who had served there 26 years. So oh my gosh, most people didn't know what they they yeah. saw in the pulpit. Uh, they knew it was not the previous pastor, and I looked like I was just <laughs> out of high school, you know. Right, um, but right. they were very kind, and it was in that congregation I learned a lot about ministry with older adults. I got yeah. involved with a nonprofit that uh, eventually led to a, uh, a career change for me uh, because of my involvement in that in that congregation. Right, right. Well, tell us a little bit about and that. And I did How get a, along the way, I got, I was working on this master's degree in pastoral counseling at Moravian Seminary in Bethlehem, uh, thinking that, you know, at some point I might do more of that sort of thing. Uh, I liked counseling. I liked psychology. Yeah. Um, and, and while I was pursuing that, uh, I was on the board of uh, Phoebe Burke's village, which was 
uh, an extension of Phoebe Ministries in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and gotten to know the CEO, Grant Harity, over a number of years. And he approached me, uh, uh, I had been in, in my uh, parish about seven, eight years, and he said, yeah. we, have, we have a place that we'd, we'd like you to join our staff. And wow. uh, I said, well, I, you know, I didn't take any business classes. I, I, I can quote you Shakespeare. <laughs> in the Bible. Um, right, and right. he said, we, we, we can teach you the business. We can teach you what you need to know. I need your people skills. He knew you had that and part. it was very compelling yeah, yeah. to me. And, and wow. Dr. Harity brought me over to Allentown. And I became the manager of Phoebe Terrace, which was an 88 Terrace, unit yeah. apartment building on the wow. main campus of Phoebe Ministries. Um, and my, my life, my career, uh, my calling changed, uh, in 1989. I fell well, in love let's with back this up, work. Let's back yeah. up a bit. I, I want to hear more because you used to be in seven and a half years as a pastor. And you, as you said, you came in as a 26, 27 year old, you filled yep. the shoes of someone that was, you know, twice your age. Tell us a little bit about that challenge. I mean, how long did it take to, you know, kind of get the respect and the trust of, <laughs> of your flock? <laughs> well, um, they were very patient with me. Of course, you know, when, when I came out of seminary, I had all the answers and, and all the, <laughs> uh, all, all the weapons in the arsenal to be, uh, you know, imposing on them, uh, from a, from a leadership standpoint. But, um, you know, there was, I, I really feel like I had two separate, um, ministries at St. Andrews, hmm. you know, the first three years or so, you know, it became very challenging. Uh, there was, uh, you know, high expectations. They wanted a youth program. There were no youth to speak of. Uh, I was cutting my teeth, so to speak, and trying to get confident as a leader. Um, following a long tenured pastor, there's a lot of change uh, that people want. There's a lot of change that people don't want but need. And so I was involved in kind of all of that uh, kind of work. And then uh, there was a point in time where it kind of pivoted where, you know, I'm not exactly sure how to describe it, but the, there was a moment in time where it just, people finally gave me their permission to lead them. I don't know if I can, yeah. and, and it was right. like from that moment on, there was a, 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 a stronger sense of alignment with the leaders, mm. a stronger sense of engagement with the parishioners. We did start a youth program. We improved the Sunday school. Uh, I, I was able to do more things, uh, innovative things. We started a, a, a furniture ministry where wow. we had an empty old back Sunday school hall that we were able to work with the uh, Salvation Army. And they brought, for, you know, used furniture that they would give to uh, needy families in the community. So we were opening the doors, getting involved in many social missions at the time. So the yeah. second part of my ministry there was about change. And uh, right. and it became, uh, as I look back, that experience became sort of the template for the rest of my work in yeah. in the field of senior ministries, because I became involved in in situations of change in every mm -hmm. setting, whether it was at the department level or at a building level. Eventually it was at a campus level and, and certainly now in my work at, at UCH is at a corporate level. So it's like right. I've right. been involved in instituting change in every setting I've been in. 
So you were just though in your early 30s when you left versus, you know, your predecessor yep. who had left probably in his 50s or 60s. How, how, how did that go? I mean, the, the, I'm sure by then the congregation, you know, loved you. They respected you, trusted you. Was that kind of a, a, a big rift or did, did the folks understand that you needed to, you know, go They on, did understand. I, I, yeah. Yes, they did. Um, I mean, it was difficult. And our, our uh, first child our our oldest son was born uh in the fall of 1988 and and this conversation with the ceo at phoebe ministries was started in in the winter time and uh i had committed to uh to staying a full year after i I took a sabbatical leave after my son was born so i could be at home and finish my uh, master's degree at moravian and this opportunity came up and i was like i i have to do this And so I worked with the folks, the leaders, and they were like, okay, we understand. It didn't work out the way we all had hoped. We want you to stay, but we're not going to hold on to you either and go with our blessing. And I'm still in touch with the folks there. They invite me back for church anniversaries. Uh, I'm now the longest surviving former pastor of the congregation so that you know do, you get, do they get do they ask you up to do sermons every now and then you, once in a while yes, yeah for yes, anniversaries yes, they yeah, had, had me yeah. come back and That's i still awesome. hear from from some of the folks uh through uh, facebook especially right well and you've had a, you had a wonderful career with phoebe i just looking at your various positions what 15 16 years it looks like in total 19 yeah yeah, nineteen in total as you, as you went through that. What what were some of the early challenges that you faced as you came into, you know, serving others in that capacity? Well, uh, overall, the, the the challenge is marrying mission with uh, you know the need to maintain you know efficient and 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 productive operations. Right. And my first experience, I I started at Phoebe Terrace in february of 1989 everything was new to me i'm learning and the ceo called me into his office uh one day and he said we have a financial challenge at phoebe terrace we need to raise the residence fees by 15 percent next month and i (laughs) i was like thanks very much (laughs) okay assignment yeah i know (laughs) and i thought well this will be a a short happy uh unhappy experience (laughs) but you know right he immediately looked at me and he had the CFO with him and he said, we need, we need to do this because the organization is struggling. Um, we withheld increases in the early years of the mm. operation because right. we had plenty of cash, but now things are getting used and we really should have just incrementally raised the rates. He said, but this is my decision as CEO, not yours as the manager. So yeah. I will, I will be there with you and I will, I will announce this and take questions about it. This, I will take the heat for this. Uh-huh. And it was such an, a, a formative lesson in leadership for me. And I have yeah, used yeah. that example many, many times in my work where I've needed to make some tough decisions with the local administrators and right. let people know that it was not something that I was deferring to someone else, but taking ownership right. of directly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Great. And so, uh, and then uh, I got promoted to, uh, uh, to Phoebe home, which is a very large, uh, 395 bed nursing facility with 55 units of assisted living as part of it. Um, you know, I was the assistant administrator, was able to earn my, uh, my nursing home administrator's license. 
was the chief operating officer. Uh, so that really exposed me and helped me, you know, accelerate my my learning about uh, operations and management and supervision. And um, so it just kind of evolved from there. I was there a few years, and they had another opportunity for me. Uh, the Phoebe Burks County facility was built by then, or being built. Mm. And the new nursing home out there was 120 beds. The, the previous administrator had left, and the uh, the organization was in somewhat of turmoil. They had a bad survey experience, and the state was coming down hard on them. And uh, the the CEO at the time, uh, the the interim CEO at that time, my my former CEO had retired. The, the 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 interim came to me and said, "Look, we need you to go out there and and straighten things out." Uh-huh. So, with two years of experience uh, in, under my belt, <laughs> I go out to this 120-bed uh, facility, brand new, and uh, you know, it took some time. Certainly, uh, I had you know some you know very forthright conversations, like with the Brooks County Office of Aging Director, and she said, "Look, this place is hanging by a, a thread. You need to mm. you need to fix this quickly because it's terrible." I thought it was a little bit of an exaggeration, but I had good people. <laughs> I had good people, good team, yeah, and they just needed yeah. some. They needed some TLC. They needed some TLC, direction. They yeah, needed someone right. to make some hard decisions with them, and build community. And I learned right. a lot in that role. And we did that. And two years after that, we had a deficiency-free survey. Uh, and the director of the Office of Aging came back to me, and she said, "You know." Uh, you've done a, a great job here. She said, when people ask me what nursing home in town to go to, I say, you go to Phoebe Burks. And after that, it doesn't matter because that's the best. Mm. So wow. I took, that was a real moment. I shared that with the team and, yeah. you know, it really, they had matured and come together and formed a, a great working partnership with, with, uh, with us. And it was a very profound moment. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you, you left there as a VP, right? You were at Allentown campus operations. Yes. They had a, yeah. we have another opportunity for you. <laughs> I uh, learned sure. They of, were, they were pushing you along. <laughs> opportunity was uh, in this affordable housing. They had a small department of affordable housing properties. I think we had right. 16 properties and I didn't know anything about affordable housing or HUD. And that apartment department was in turmoil. They had, uh, you know, were incurring losses. They had some uh, development projects that went um, sideways at the time and needed fixed up. Yeah. Um, problems with developers and contractors and all that good stuff. So they brought me in back into Allentown uh, office to straighten out uh, and, and improve that. Um, so I, I did that for a couple of years and then yeah. they had another opportunity and they sent me back to Phoebe Home, this time as the vice president of operations for the whole Allentown campus, which included both the terrace and the affordable housing piece that was part of it. So there was 700 and some units uh, that I was over uh, before I eventually uh, left. Uh, Yeah, so almost almost 20 years there now. That that must have been a difficult departure. What what kind of led you to that decision at that point in your career? A couple of things. My wife is a pastor Mm -hmm. uh, serving in the United Church of Christ, um, and she had been uh, we had been living in uh, outside of Allentown, and she was serving a church 17 years. When she got a call uh, about an opportunity in Frederick, Maryland, and uh, that congregation was 
was looking for a pastor who could help with lay leadership and youth ministry um, and and outreach mission. And they came looking for her. And, and as soon as she took this conversation and, and had an interview, I thought, she's we're we're going to move to Maryland. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was, it's, a, it's been a wonderful, right? yeah, it's yeah. been a wonderful match for her. She's the senior pastor at this uh, congregation in downtown Frederick. Um, and, and at that point, our, our older son graduated high school and was off to college. Our younger son was so going to be a sophomore in high school. And so we moved him with Barbara to, to Frederick. I was still working at Phoebe, uh, and, I think I did that two more years running back and forth between Frederick and Allentown mm. and yeah. finally found a, a role as the executive director of the Ingleside uh, at Rock Creek Retirement Community in Northwest DC um, and made the shift uh, to be reunited with my uh, family. And right. I was there nice. able to be there with my, for my son's senior year. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's, cool. Ingleside was a whole other uh, story of transformation and and change and and, and uh, hard work to uh, improve systems and processes uh, of its own. Yeah, I imagine. Well, you uh, actually had a little bit of the taste of the corner office. I think you were an interim a president CEO at Lancaster Theological Seminary before coming over to uh, United Church Homes. Tell us a little bit about kind of that decision to, to, to join UCH and, you know, how that came about. And, and, and tell us more about UCH, too, and kind of your footprint. Well, I was part of this transition team at Ingleside, and the CEO at the time uh, kind of ran afoul of some key board members. Hmm. And unfortunately, uh, they, they separated him. And then all of the people that he brought in on his transition team, so to speak, we all ended up leaving at one point mm -hmm. or another. And it was very hard. It was a tough yeah. life lesson for me. You know, I'm, uh, I felt like a, like I had failed in some way when I knew, you know, sort of uh, objectively that it was, you know, a lot going on that really had little to do with my performance or lack thereof. Right, right. So I came, uh, you know, uh, during the summer of 20, 2010, I was involved with my uh, denomination and having my annual uh, review and uh, let them know what I'm doing. I'm sort of between things now. I'm looking for opportunities and maybe in the church, maybe back in senior living. I didn't know at that point. Um, a, a week or two after that meeting, I get a call from uh, the ch uh, the chair of the Lancaster Seminary who had been on that that uh, that uh, judicatory committee, and she that said panel, yeah. <laughs> that panel, and she said, you know, we just uh, lost the president at Lancaster Seminary who took another job in California. Would you be interested in being our interim president? I'm like, wow, oh my god. So, <laughs> I, well, you know, I said, what do you need? And she said, well, you know, the school needs a lot of help with HR issues, with financial. Uh, management issues with uh, personnel and policy development. We've got some programs that are uh, losing money and we need to look at kind of coming back to the basics and prepare for, you know, a settled president to, to come in. They were going to start a search. So uh, 
my wife Barbara had been a former chair of that seminary board. She's an alum, ah, alumna okay. of the seminary. Ah, right, um, right, cool. So I, she, she was traveling at the time overseas, and I called her and I said, uh, "Guess what?" <laughs> and uh, her her response was, uh, "Well, she was she was actually visiting one of our dear friends who was the president of the Near East School of Theology in Beirut, Lebanon." Uh, at, at the time, and our friend Mary is in the background saying, "Tell him not to do it. Do not do this. You'll be unhappy forever." And Barbara's oh, Barbara's comment was, "Well, I know you're going to do this uh, because I know you. Uh, just don't screw it up. So don't, don't screw up <laughs> yeah, my seminary. This is my alma mater. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, but I, I uh, the the academic year started in late August uh, 2010, and I had a wonderful board experience. We had to work to build trust with the faculty, with the staff, go through a lot of painful changes. They had lost their vice president of advancement as well as their president. Mm. Um, and then the dean uh, left a few months into my tenure there. Uh, so it was really rebuilding a lot of the basic yeah, leadership. Yeah team and, and you had well you had as, no interest in the in the full-time position right you weren't part of the search it was a pure, well I wasn't I mean I yeah. was interested in it but you know typically that's not how things right. really yeah. work yeah um, right. but I was you know I was able to bring the things that I brought um, and I I really was still interested in uh, in in the, the nonprofit faith-based senior living uh, sector and and during that time uh, in the in the winter of 2010-11, that January, I guess it was, I get a call from a search firm that's looking for yeah. the CEO at United Church yeah. Homes, and right. things fell into place. And were you familiar with the company before? Had you known of them? A little bit. I, I knew the, the yeah. former CEO. He had retired. Right. Okay. Um, it's a larger organization than than uh, Phoebe was. Um, they had, uh, you know, eight or 10 nursing homes at the time in retirement communities and, and uh, 50 or so affordable housing. So one of the larger used the United Church of Christ uh, social ministries. Um, and, you know, it, it's just one of those things. I, I, I came out, I met people. Yeah. It was, uh, it was tough. It was interesting. I knew it was going to be a hard pull. The, the CEO had been here for 25 years Wow. Um, and they're bringing me, there were internal candidates. I'm coming in, uh, from outside yeah. and yeah. you know, it was, it was a hard, uh, hard, hard road to hold. But again, finding, uh, and building team, uh, was part of the initial work I had to do here. And, um, here I am 11 years later oh, and, right. yeah. uh, it's a lot of, a lot of accomplishments that we've been able to achieve. Tell us a little bit about your operations and your mission. We sponsor and have uh, built or manage uh, a variety of all, all faith-based uh, organizations mm -hmm. for senior care. Go from uh, freestanding, uh, independent nursing and assisted living facilities. We have a couple of life plan communities that have the full continuum of care on the campus. We recently started an initiative to build residential market rate housing for mm. a middle market client. So folks who are who have too much asset or, or um, 
income to to qualify for subsidized housing are are sort of in limbo in the middle, and so we've we've um, acquired uh, three communities uh, that way, uh, and our newest our newest property is is in Columbus, which is a new setting for us, mm. 130 units in suburban Columbus. So we're now including the capital city in our footprint. Uh, nice. Very exciting. It's it's apartments, but we have a service component that I'll talk about in a minute, and. We've continued to develop affordable housing. We we own uh, 62 properties and we manage uh, for for others for other um, independent boards, um, and we provide some uh, uh, special targeted individual billing services for a number of other client uh, organizations. So it's a pretty broad spectrum of of yeah. uh, of operation. Uh, we're in 14 states. We serve wow. about 5,000 people uh, every day. Um, we're in 85 uh, different discrete settings. Uh, mm. And uh, the, of course, there's a concentration here in Ohio, but outside of Ohio, um, from Memphis, Tennessee, down to Jackson, Mississippi, is our second highest concentration. We have 13 wow. affordable housing properties for low-income uh, adults in that section of the country and we also over the years have identified some very special uh, priority areas uh, including not just the african-american communities but we have two properties that serve native american uh, nations one in minnesota one in uh, nebraska and we have uh, properties that serve people come uh, that have chronic brain trauma uh -huh and uh, one that serves people that are totally physically disabled using an affordable housing uh, HUD uh, platform than to bring in community uh, support services. Very diverse. So it's, yeah. it's a little of this, a lot of that. I yeah. mean, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's hard to encapsulate, but as leading age national and the Ziegler organization measure uh, of the total market rate and affordable housing units that we own or or, or manage, we are like the 21st largest nonprofit provider in the country. Wow, wow. huge. How, how would you say your leadership style has changed from those you know, early days as a mid-20s pastor to your 20 years at Phoebe and now you know, 10 years into the corner office at the United Church Homes? Well, um, I've learned that, that humor goes a, lot, goes a long way yeah. to uh, building rapport with people. If it's mm. used properly, it can be overused, of course. Um, and I have overused it from time to time and my own anxieties. Uh, <laughs> I've learned that, that you know, I think it was Jim Collins in, one, in his book, Good to Great, uh, uh, often commented it's, it's about who before what. It's, right. In other words, it's about the people on the team and finding the right people and the right, developing the right culture for that team so that when we go out and identify this or that to do, I've got a team that trusts each other, works well together, mm. um, aligns very closely with the culture of United Church Homes and its mission. Um, and and really we've we've just been able to accelerate change over the last five, five six, seven years or so uh, as a result of that. Awesome. What, um, how would you describe kind of the UCH company culture? You know, is there 
you know, kind of a, uh, a commonality that you, you know, make sure you kind of communicate or propagate to the, to the rank and file. You, you've got about, is it about 700 employees in total? How many? 1,500. Uh, 1,500, right. Okay, gosh. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's hard to get to know them all. They're obviously diverse across all the states. You know, how, how do you describe it and how do you, how do you keep that rich? How do you keep that going? Well, early on, we, the board and, and, uh, and I developed, uh, engaged in a, a kind of a refresh of our mission statement and our mission vision and values. And, uh, you know, our vision is to transform the experience of aging through communities of wholeness and peace. So that's the big picture every day um, mm. that it's our North Star. And we have deliberately worked at keeping that fresh and alive and active, not just as a poster on the wall, but really as, as a way we try to define our, our primary motivation. Um, when I first got to acquainted with the different um, buildings and the leaders and the teams, uh, we, we, as part of our visioning, we, we did some uh, focus groups. And at our oldest building, the families would say, it's hard to describe. We don't really have the words, but there's something different. When I come in mm. the door, I feel something here. Hmm. And, you know, when you press them, it would be about love. Uh, yeah. it, it's a loving yeah. place. It's a compassionate yeah. place. It's a caring right. place. And so we seized on that and, and added that as a tagline. So when we say United Church Homes celebrating the spirit, you know, that's part of what we really mean is mm. that and, and that that sense pervades. I didn't create it. Yeah. I'm not responsible yeah. for it. But my job is to nurture it and to nurture it and yeah, to and to build it, it and to make sure that it's yeah. consistent across all of our operations. And and especially when we acquire a new property and you know we want to teach the the staff and and embed them within the culture as as well or new buildings that we bring up and have new people coming in to the organization um uh you know we adopted core values uh compassion hospitality respect integrity stewardship and transparency um those are our guardrails um we we have <laughs> little uh paper cubes uh, on our desks that we uh, created with those core values. Nice. Um, believe it or not, uh, I, was, I was remembering my geometry class from high school when we made these different <laughs> geometric shapes. I said, hey, I, what if we put, because there was exactly, you know, the Seven number needed for a square. Right, right square, right, right. Doggone yeah. it, if, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it caught on, it caught on, it was That's fun. Great. Yeah, um, and 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 the, the story behind the compassion, we we had a committee, and I involved instead of like pulling everybody from four corners of the the org, we decided to use one one of our communities, Parkview up in Sandusky, Ohio, because um, we were having a a board meeting there and introducing people to the community. Anyway, we grabbed, uh, we asked a couple of residents, a couple of staff from Parkview to be part of this process. And at that time, uh, 
you know, 10 years ago, a lot of talk in the industry about, well, we shouldn't use the word caring because people don't want to know about caring, you know, put the nursing home way in the background and don't talk about caring or compassion, you know, that's out of date. So, you know, I'm trying to steer this uh, small group away from the, the C word (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, in the, in the, in, in order to be, uh, uh, you know, with it and, and all Quran and, uh, <laughs> the residents looked at me and said, compassion, that's what we're here for. That's why we, we're we, here. Yeah. That's oh, why God. we're here. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I duh, I, you know, yeah. hit me on the head. <laughs> uh, and so it's, of course we, we, we immediately got it. And of course, as a pastor, I'm looking to heaven saying, yes, I get it. I hear you, God. <laughs> um, and, and really serendipitously, you know, we were, we had looked at, I don't know, a couple dozen values, you know, how, how that process goes. And we, we had a bunch on the table and we finally, you know, we were talking about transparency and compassion and somebody kind of remarked, you know, if you rearrange these, the, the, the letters spell Christ. Oh my gosh! Oh, that's terrific! It wow. was totally un- <laughs> unseen, you know. He was unforeseen. working between the lines. I know. I, I mean, it, it was. I, I don't want to sound maudlin about it, but it was yeah. like, well, here it is. You know, there if you needed us, yeah. the dove yeah. descending from heaven. I mean, I, and so it was a beautiful one. You know, a transforming. And it moment all starts the, with compassion, right? It does. It does. Yeah. So, it. Um, our employees have gotten around this uh, in very practical ways. We have created a an employee recognition award uh, yes. that we call uh, the Livid Award, which builds on these uh, values, and we recognize uh, individuals and groups within the company that exemplify a particular value through a, right. a project or a, a or, or an event that they've they've worked in it's become very popular awesome awesome well ken we're just about out of time but we always ask our guests one last question and that's what kind of career and life advice would you give someone that maybe is you know a decade or two younger than you but it's got their sights on you know public service but wants to be in that corner office someday well i of course my my experience has been uh don't don't rest on your credentials. Mm. Uh, it's it's what it's who you are and what you bring. Skills and and te- technology can be taught, can be learned, but in this work, because it's so much about people and yeah. and changing people's lives and supporting people, that's it's the soft so-called soft skills that I feel are are very important to keep in mind as a leader because um, yeah. they're always needed. They're always in demand. And I, I've seen some of the, you know, the, the, the more technically adept people um, in this work and, and they don't always succeed because they're going by some, you know, in uh, some learned uh, philosophy or technique or, or uh, mm-hmm. coursework they did. It, it, the folks that tend to, to, to do well in this work have a great balance of their experience, but also integrating through their 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 personal commitments. Yeah. Um, we, we we're not we're not a sectarian organization, but you know, in an era when a lot of the denominational related founded facilities and organizations are going sort of away, pulling away from their founding denominations, we sort of we've gone back the other direction. We've gone stronger mm-hmm. into the church 
uh, we've gone stronger into our nonprofit uh, roots and, and faith-based roots for in a number of ways that I think has made is, is making us distinctive. Yeah, awesome. Well, Reverend Kenneth Daniel, President and CEO of United Church Homes, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Well, thank you for this opportunity, and let me uh, ask you to pronounce the name of my college one more time. Kutztown. I did it a little better, a little better that time. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah, home, again. The home of Andre Reed uh, from the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> All right, man. All thank you best. for uh, this chance to talk. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.go4roy.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 